Hi, welcome to Harrison's Pod Class, where we discuss important concepts in internal medicine. I'm Kathy Handy. And I'm Charlie Weiner, and we're coming to you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Welcome to Episode 60, A 44-Year-Old's Overweight Man. Hi, Kathy. So here's the case today. A 44-year-old man seeks evaluation for an abnormal finding on abdominal ultrasonography. He has a history of type 2 diabetes mellitus and is on insulin therapy. Last week, he was evaluated in the emergency department for mid-epigastric pain, likely due to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory treatments for muscle aches. He recently started exercising because his wife told him to lose weight. During the evaluation, an abdominal ultrasound was performed, and it was only notable for showing marked fatty infiltration of the liver. So what do you think of that so far, Kathy? Well, that is an abnormal finding on ultrasound and concerns me for fatty liver disease. The two main categories that I think about causing or that could potentially cause this would be excessive alcohol consumption or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. We should also rule out other causes of chronic liver diseases like autoimmune hepatitis and hemochromatosis. But let's start with more history. Can you tell me about his drinking history? So he and his wife do not drink at home, and he reports that he'll only have a glass of white Riesling on social occasions. To extend the social history, he's of Hispanic origin, works in an office as a cybersecurity expert, and is relatively sedentary. Well, Riesling is my preferred white wine too, but can you tell me about his physical exam and any labs? The drinking history that he is reporting would not suggest excessive alcohol consumption as the cause of his fatty liver disease. Okay, well, he's 5 foot 9 inches tall and he weighs about 205 pounds. His vital and his physical examination are otherwise normal. There are no hints of liver dysfunction on physical exam. He has no spider telangiectasias and his abdomen exam does not show an enlarged liver. Okay, that makes his BMI about 30 and that puts him in the obese category, but on the lower end of obese. What about his labs? Okay, so laboratory studies show normal electrolytes and creatinine. On liver function studies, his transaminases are two times normal with a normal alkaline phosphatase. He also has a normal bilirubin and a normal prothrombin time. Hepatitis viral panels show prior vaccination to hepatitis B, which he reports by history, and autoimmune and iron panels are also within normal limits. Based on all of that, then I would go with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Tell me more about that. So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is the most common chronic liver disease in many parts of the world, including the United States. Population-based abdominal imaging studies have demonstrated fatty liver in at least 25% of American adults. Hazardous levels of alcohol consumption, which we would define as greater than one drink per day in women or two drinks per day in men, although this is changing with the 2020 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee most recently recommending not more than one drink per day for men and women. Because the vast majority of people with fatty liver disease do not report hazardous levels of alcohol, they're considered to have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it's strongly associated with overweight or obesity and insulin resistance. However, it can also occur in lean individuals and is particularly common in those with a paucity of adipose depots, like lipodystrophy. The documented prevalence of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease varies between different ethnic and racial groups. It's lowest in African Americans at a prevalence around 25%, and it's highest in Americans of Hispanic ancestry, about 50%, and it's intermediate in American whites. And we know this man has diabetes, and at least according to his wife, needs to lose weight. So it sounds like he fits the at-risk profile. And it encompasses a spectrum of liver pathology with different clinical prognoses. 
The simple accumulation of triglyceride within hepatocytes or hepatic steatosis is on the most clinically benign extreme of the spectrum, but on the opposite, more clinically ominous extreme are cirrhosis and primary liver cancer. Okay, what would you tell him about his risk of further complications? The risk of developing cirrhosis is extremely low in individuals with chronic hepatic steatosis, but increases as steatosis becomes complicated by histologically conspicuous hepatocyte death and inflammation. In the presence of inflammation, the term non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or NASH is often used. So once non-alcoholic fatty liver disease-related cirrhosis develops, the annual incidence of primary liver cancer can be as high as 3%. Now of note, abdominal imaging is not able to determine which individuals with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease have associated liver cell death and inflammation, i.e. NASH, and specific blood tests to diagnose NASH are not yet available. Okay, well let's move on to the question then. The question is going to ask us, in this patient, all of the following statements regarding his potential therapy are true except, so that is, all are true except for one false statement here. A, bariatric surgery is safe in patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. B, exercise may reduce hepatic steatosis. C, statins may worsen inflammation in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. D, there are no food and drug administration approved therapies for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. E, vitamin E may reduce aminotransferase levels and hepatic steatosis. Okay, since we're presuming that he has non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, the answer is C. Statins will not worsen his liver inflammation. In fact, there are some studies that demonstrate improvement in liver function studies with statins. The lack of evidence that statins harm liver in these patients, combined with the increased risk for cardiovascular morbidity and mortality in these patients, warrants the use of statins to treat dyslipidemia in patients who have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NASH. They should not be avoided. Okay, so that means the other answers are true. What's our approach? Right, so it's true that there are no FDA-approved therapies for treatment. Thus, the current approach to management focuses on treatment to improve the risk factors for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So by this, I mean focusing on addressing obesity, address insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, and dyslipidemia. Based on our understanding of the natural history, only patients with NASH or those with features of hepatic fibrosis on liver biopsy are considered currently for targeted pharmacologic therapies. Lifestyle changes and dietary modification are the foundation for treatment for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Many studies indicate that lifestyle modification can improve serum aminotransferases and hepatic steatosis with loss of at least 3-5% to of body weight improving steatosis, but even greater weight loss up to 10% is necessary to improve the steatohepatitis. The benefits of different dietary macronutrient content, so like sometimes people will ask about low carbohydrates versus low fat diets or saturated versus unsaturated fat diets. But the difference between that and different intensities of calorie restriction appear to be comparable. In adults who have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, exercise regimens that improve fitness may be sufficient to reduce hepatic steatosis, but their impact on other aspects of liver histology remains unknown. Okay, so that's breaking news. A smart diet and exercise are good. But option A asked about bariatric surgery. Is there a role for bariatric surgery in, this, uh, in these disorders? Yeah, so diet and exercise does fix many of the problems that we have in medicine today. Although interest in bariatric surgery as a treatment for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease exists, a recent published Cochrane review concluded that the lack of randomized clinical trials 
or even adequate clinical studies prevents definitive assessment of benefits and harms of bariatric surgery as a treatment. Most studies of bariatric surgery have shown that it is generally safe in individuals with well-compensated chronic liver disease, and it does improve hepatic steatosis and necroinflammation. However, the effects on hepatic fibrosis have been variable. Okay, and then finally, what about things like vitamin E or the other so-called antioxidants? Antioxidants have also been evaluated for the treatment because oxidant stress is thought to contribute to the pathogenesis of progression from non-alcoholic fatty liver disease to NASH. Vitamin E, an inexpensive and very common yet potent antioxidant, has been examined in several small pediatric and adult studies with varying results. In all of those studies, vitamin E was well tolerated and most showed modest improvements in aminotransferase levels, radiographic features of hepatic steatosis, and or histologic features of NASH. While some studies have shown a potential benefit of vitamin E, population studies have suggested that vitamin E may increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. Many of the studies initially done did not include patients with diabetes, so because of this, we would not recommend starting it in this patient. There are clinical trials that are ongoing looking at different doses of vitamin E as a treatment for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, so, so we may get more information in the future once we get the results of these trials. So you're saying that vitamin E is controversial. It may help the liver disease, but because of all these large population studies that suggest an increased cardiovascular risk, and many of these patients are at risk of cardiovascular disease, the jury's still out on vitamin E. Correct. Okay, what about any other potential treatments in the pipeline? There are ongoing studies of metformin and the glitazones, some of which have shown promise, but they are not yet ready for a full recommendation. And in cases of advanced disease, liver transplantation is an option. The outcomes of liver transplantation in well-selected patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease are generally good, but comorbid medical conditions associated with it, such as diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease, often limit transplant candidacy. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease can also reoccur after liver transplantation. The risk factors for recurrent or de novo non-alcoholic fatty liver disease after liver transplantation are multifactorial but they include hypertriglyceridemia, obesity, diabetes, and even immunosuppressive therapies, in particular glucocorticoids. Okay, great. So the teaching points are that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease has a spectrum of disease starting with fatty infiltration of the liver, and that may extend to an overt hepatitis or NASH, and even end-stage liver disease or hepatocellular carcinoma. There are currently no FDA-approved therapies, so treatment focuses on lifestyle changes and weight loss. And you can read more about this in Harrison's chapter on non-alcoholic fatty liver diseases and non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And I'll also refer you to the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases, which has guidelines on the diagnosis and management of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that was last published in 2018. This is Jim Shanahan, publisher at McGraw-Hill. Harrison's podcast is brought to you by McGraw-Hill's Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. Go to accessmedicine.com to learn more.